Hello, today I'm going to be talking about the movie Constantine, specifically the club scene from the movie Constantine, which is one of my favorite movies to rewatch. I think that they really missed a, an opportunity to expand on that club scene and, and the petty grievances that you knew that just had to go on there on a daily basis. This is Bittersweet Ramblings. Let's get started. In the movie Constantine, there was a club that was run by a sort of neutral middleman named Midnight. The club itself was a middle ground that had sort of one side of the club that was for angels and one side of the club that was set up for demons. And then in the middle, there was sort of this neutral meeting ground. Don't worry, the whole club was color-coded with the red being the demon side because, you know, hell equals fire and blue being for heaven because it's up in the sky. Really, if you're looking for subtlety, Constantine's not the movie for you. To me, this, this club that was this sort of neutral meeting ground was the most interesting part of this movie. And instead of even enjoying walking through the club, the main character barrels in without even pausing. Just to show that the club is really exclusive, but he's, he's so powerful that he can just immediately announce who he is and, and barrel past the bouncer and go right into the club. Because he's on a power walk. I'm gonna go, you know, fight the bad guys, big time power walk, all that junk. Power walks, by the way, are not all they're cracked up to be. They look great on camera with the camera sort of tight on the walkers. They're, they're not so great if you film them either at a distance or in real life. How many times have you been walking down the street and there's a group of four people who all feel the need to walk side by side because no one can walk behind the others? When you come up to them, None of them can drop behind the others to let you pass because that would be giving up their power. I mean, you can't be courteous of others on a power walk. And I don't know if they understand that the passerbys aren't thinking, well, they must be important or special. They just think it's a group of assholes taking up the sidewalk because it's a group of assholes taking up the sidewalk. What I really want is for there to be a club like this for real someplace. Not a kind of club where people have to wear capes and come in saying fuzzy parrot to get in, but a real sort of heaven and hell kind of powers needed to get into the club. To be honest, I would find an entire movie just about this meeting ground to be more interesting because I can just imagine the incredibly petty conversations that would go on. Because you know that most of the fights that were settled in that neutral meeting ground were like a lower grade version of civil court. It would not be something that was handled by any of the executives or big shots in heaven or hell. It's the, it would be the piddly little night court style grievances. They would not qualify to go to court. You know, you're just fighting it out with some obnoxious neighbor and they go to the club and you go to the club and you've been drinking and they've been drinking and then you start fighting it out on neutral territory. And the fights would be over something like leaves blown into a neighbor's yard 
or something just stupid like that. Because those stupid, irritating things can really get under your skin. It is so easy for people to not do the annoying thing, but some people just cannot seem to help themselves. I, quite frankly, take great joy in imagining what most of these fights would be about. I think it would be something, something along the lines of, well, someone keeps leaving handwritten notes on my car insulting my parking. He hasn't said so, and I haven't seen him doing it, but I know that it's Brett. Because it's the ink from the pens that he uses. And he shouldn't be insulting my parking at all. Because a drunk hippopotamus with an inner ear infection would be better able to stay between the lines than that lunatic. He is all over the road, so what right does he have to insult my parking? Or we were at a party, and he trapped me in the corner to talk about growing cabbages for 23 minutes. 23 minutes about cabbage growing. That, that is 23 minutes of my existing in a base level of hell that I will never get back. I, I want him banned from ever growing or talking about cabbages again. Or it would be something like, so I went over to her house and I brought my brand new Italian leather briefcase and, and it had paperwork for her to sign. And I put down my brand new Italian leather briefcase and her stupid inbred gutter cat mounted it and proceeded to violate the briefcase in ways I don't want to discuss right now or ever. There, there is not a part of that case that has not been touched in some fashion. And, and did she stop it? No! All she did was laugh. That case is ruined. I deserve to be compensated for the briefcase. I deserve to be compensated for the images that are now burned into my mind by that deviant little fucker. And, and more importantly, most importantly of all, I want that little son of a bitch neutered. So instead of, you know, focusing on, you know, what could be these nice petty little grievances, the, the movie focused on the sort of dramatic with, you know, Constantine storming into the neutral space and then threatening to kill or attack a demon who's just kind of like hanging out in the neutral zone, making a bunch of snotty comments. Because that's a good plan. The whiny little evil guy is sitting there making obnoxious remarks, trying to get a rise out of Constantine in front of others who will automatically put a stop to it. Why, why is there so much drama? Because both of them were in a place where they knew that if things really started to go south, there's someone bigger standing right there who will stop it from getting too crazy. So these two, the demon and Constantine can say whatever stupid shit they want to and then blame the booze and they have automatic referees. That scene just makes them both come away looking like petulant children. You know, too often in movies or in pictures or in cartoons, they'll show a person who's making a decision and they have like a demon on one shoulder and an angel on another shoulder. When really, when it is one person making a decision, it's, it's more like scales. It's, it's not one right decision and one wrong decision. And it's not just an angel or a demon. There's a whole group of people that have impact on how that decision is made. How that decision can affect 
them and how that decision can affect you all sort of combine. The impact on them and their relationship to you can all affect that. Because again, no decision is really black and white. It's very, very rare that you're going to have a decision where it's going to be a good decision or a bad decision. It's, it's so rare. It's much more often that there's like gradients and you just sort of try to make the best decision you can. Now, movies and TV shows, they have a protagonist and they want you to follow that protagonist. And for the most part, usually they're, they're gonna tilt those decisions uh, way more towards one way or the other because they want you to be able to easily follow a storyline and be interested enough to follow a storyline. So too often you can be sold on the idea that there is a right decision and a wrong decision. And most of the time it doesn't really work that way. It's easy to go back on a decision with 2020 hindsight and say, this point right here, this one point in time, that's where things went wrong, or that's where I should have made this decision. But in all honesty, there were multiple points where things could have changed or things could have been changed for you. It's not one decision that can really have that much of an effect. There's lots of little decisions that can lead up to that decision. Again, it scales and they just start piling on one side or the other. Our decisions and what became of them is sort of a product of options, circumstances, and luck. Because luck plays a huge part of it. And you also can't discount what options are made available as choices. Sometimes you don't have any good options, you just try to work with what you have. Because not everybody is gifted the same options. And it sucks. It'd be nice if you had more options. But that's just the way luck and options work. There are, at this point in time, just a crazy amount of decisions to make in any given day. Going to the grocery store is a nightmare. I grew up in a small town. If you wanted a can of chicken noodle soup, there were two options. You pick one of the two. That's it. Living in a city, there is an entire rack of different choices of chicken noodle soup to choose from. Different brands, different varieties. Each brand has like 15,000 versions of chicken noodle soup. It shouldn't be that hard. And, and choosing a shampoo is hell. I, I don't know my hair type. Just I just pick something. You can stand in that aisle for ages trying to figure out the right one. And if you are a bit of a perfectionist, it's so easy to get wrapped up in trying to make the right decision that you can end up making just no decisions whatsoever. And not only that, but when you're trying to make these decisions, there are tons of review sites for everything online. But now there are so many review sites that you don't know what to pick. And some of the review sites have sponsored products. So you don't even know if it's a decent review or an advertisement. Then they built out other websites to determine if the website that you were looking at is marketing propaganda, which is insane. To make it easier for themselves, some people will dump choices onto someone else. The, oh, I don't care. Go ahead and pick whatever you want. I'm guilty of this as well. But dumping your decisions onto someone else is, is not fair to that person. You have so much willpower that you can use in a day and trying to make those decisions affects that ability to make decisions. Eventually you just run out of gas. 
So dumping your decisions onto someone else and then being able to just wipe your hands clean if it, if it goes wrong or ride along if the decision is good isn't fair to that person who's making the decision. Give them something to work with, you know? It also makes me think of these sort of, you know, sports games. Football, basketball, baseball, any of the sports games. Where there's always an announcer or an analyst who are always trying to predict what play is going to happen next. I'm going to be honest, until one of those guys predicts a cat wandering onto the field and raising hell, I am not going to believe that they have any useful prediction skills. They just watched a bunch of games where the coach has already given this team direction and picked some of the plays that that coach uses a lot. And and don't get me started on the if I were coach, I would bullshit. Each group of people, each team is going to handle things differently. You've got a whole bunch of personalities in there and you have to work with all of them. And somebody watching is not going to have a feel for how that team functions or what's going to work for them. So to look at it from the outside and say, oh, well, if I were the coach, I would... That's not a direction for that particular team. And I say this having no interest in sports at all. I, I can watch a game if I'm required to, but eventually I'm going to make some kind of comment that will insult someone who knows the rules of the game and they will storm off in a huff. Which works for me because then I can change the station to something that I actually want to watch. Like the movie Constantine, which is a movie I will rewatch anytime it is on. Anyway, that is Bittersweet Ramblings for today. Thank you for listening and have a good night.